Welcome back to season two of the Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and I am so grateful that you're joining us. When I started this podcast last year, my primary goal was to normalize the experience of imposter syndrome, to make it easier for us to talk about, and to access the support that we deserve. I am so grateful to everyone who has shared their stories with me, and I'm fascinated by the linkages between imposter syndrome and so many other facets of our lives. The conversations that we had last season led us in so many powerful directions. I'm excited to continue these conversations in season two. As always, if you have a story to share, please reach out to me. I would love to interview you. And if I can ever support you on your own imposter syndrome journey, I'd love to connect on that too. Thanks again for being here. Welcome, Tammy. I am really excited to talk with you today, and I'd love to start by having you introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Tammy Serna. I'm an accountant with over 20 years of experience. I have a CPA and an MBA. I'm fluent in numbers and the corporate world. I'm also known as a street smart badass and an advocate of individuals experiencing homelessness. I enjoy building empathy and turning perspectives upside down. Great. And you have a really interesting story from what you shared with me just briefly before we even got on this call. And so uh, you really caught my attention and I'd love to dig in a little bit more to that as we move forward. But before we jump in, I want to start with a couple of questions that I generally ask, which are what does imposter syndrome mean to you and how, if at all, has it shown up in your life? Well, to me, imposter syndrome is never feeling comfortable, never feeling like you fit in, um, sometimes never feeling like you're good enough. Um, It's just an overwhelming feeling that no matter what you do, it's just not a good fit. And it's really tough to kind of, you know, in a lot of places to try and fit a square peg into a round hole. And I think imposter syndrome, yes, of course, it happens at work, but it also happens in social circles. I have in-laws and I don't always fit in well with them. And I always wonder, should I be here? You know, and it's that second guessing that you, you can waste a lot of time and energy second guessing yourself. And it becomes a downward spiral that can drag your life down. Absolutely. And I think you make such a good point about the square peg in the round hole. I think that's what a lot of us feel like in traditional corporate environments, because even though there's a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion, there's still this implicit expectation that we're going to conform to the status quo, right? And if you are different from that in any way, whether it's gender, race, just lifestyle, anything, there's a natural tendency to feel like an imposter. We step into these environments and we just feel different. And then we start to question our own value and whether we belong here. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is really, it's a tough thing to to overcome, but it is such a universal experience that everybody that I've talked to about imposter syndrome, they can all relate to that. And of course, like you mentioned, people with intersectionality, they just have so many hurdles that they have to get through even more. And, you know, it's difficult. It's a, it's a tough situation. And it's amazing that so many people have gone through this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that reinforces why I want to have this conversation, because I do think it's so universal, but oftentimes we don't 
realize that other people are feeling this way. So I'm really grateful that you're willing to tell your story. And, and I'd love to invite you to share whatever you're comfortable with, but you mentioned to me having, you know, a pretty unique past and I'd love to hear, you know, where you have been in the past and how you got to where you are today and what effect that has had on your own experience with imposter syndrome. Yeah, I um, I think I have a pretty unique upbringing. Um, I think a lot of people do, but my dad listened to a lot of um, punk rock, industrial music. So when I was real young, that's what I listened to is, is punk rock and industrial. And then I thought, you know, going into my teenage years, I'd be goth for a little while. But I've always been like not part of the mainstream um, and I didn't always watch TV and we didn't go to movies because I was the youngest of five kids. So I didn't really have a, a firm grasp on pop culture. I really still, if we're doing trivia, do not ask me to be on your team if there's pop culture because I'm no good at pop culture. <laughs> so I kind of grew up in my own little shell, you know, kind of separate from, from the outside world, it seems like. Um, and that kind of pushed me towards, you know, that certain lifestyle, the punk rock lifestyle where I was hanging out with people that were older than me and they were drinking. So I was drinking. So by the time I was 14, I had been arrested for public intoxication. And it, that was just kind of the beginning of a downhill spiral that escalated, you know, after the drinking was a good amount of drugs and good variety of drugs. And then by the time I was 20, I ended up homeless and I spent a year homeless and addicted to drugs. And, um, you know, I was beaten. I was raped. It was a really terrible, terrible point in my life. I could talk about it now because it was decades ago, but it's still something that I, I feel like it's a, a scar on me. Not that people can see, but I can feel and I know it's always there. And part of me feels like, you know, I, I learned a lot of lessons from that. And that's part of who I am. It doesn't define me, but also I'm still sometimes ashamed by it too, because it's not something that you could just be open with. You can't really be vulnerable about something like that because there is judgment. And that's kind of how imposter syndrome works is it works off the, your perspective of other people's judging you. So I've lived a lot with that, you know, knowing, you know, my past and, you know, the things that have happened. And then how do I, how are people going to look at me if they knew that, you know, can I tell them, can I be honest, can I be vulnerable? But um, a lot of times it's like, no, it's, it's better to hide that away and then still feel ashamed about it. Wow. That's a really powerful story. And I'm so sorry that you went through that. What a, what a turnaround, um, you've had. And I'm curious as you talk about this pressure, right? That the social pressures that we all experience, what is it like for you today and and how have you gotten here right because you've obviously found great success and in, in your work um have you how has that journey looked for you in terms of building your own self-confidence and feeling a sense of belonging within your role does it still is it still a struggle for you or or you know what what does that path look like well, thankfully, it's not as much as a struggle. I think having a lot of years between that time and now helps somewhat, but also its perspective has really helped me. So um, when I started off in my career, like I said, I've been doing accounting for over 20 years, and it's something that 
throughout this time, it's something I knew I could lean on. And when I felt like I couldn't fit in, I would lean on my competence. Like I, I might be the weirdest employee here, but I'm also trying to be the most competent and I'm going to put everything I have into getting the job done the way you want it um, and trying to be a positive employee as much as I can. So in the beginning, I would try and really just focus on competence and, and take that route so that people would overlook, you know, the quirky sides of me, because I've definitely been described as quirky before. Um, but then I had to change my perspective and say, you know, this is a, a piece of who I am. This is an important part of me. And it's not something that I really want to feel ashamed about because going through this experience has taught me um, the importance of investing in myself and improving myself. Um, the value of hard work, having humility because you don't know what other people have gone through. Um, just because of my upbringing and being a punk rocker, I'm always thinking out of the box. And throughout these struggles, I've really learned how to be tenacious and have a lot of grit. So it's not something that I feel like I want to be ashamed of because it's taught me such great lessons and it's given me really great values. And it, I really value other people a lot more. And I feel like I'm able to have some empathy and compassion. So I, I don't think that it needs to be a negative where that's where a lot of people go when they hear that, like, you know, oh, that's terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. No one should have to go through that. Like, actually, if people went through this, they might understand it a little bit better and they might have more compassion, empathy, and also have these traits that leaders are looking for, like resilience and grit. Oh, that's such a great way of thinking about it. And you're right. I can see how those values that you identified would not be available to people who haven't had some type of struggle, right? Um, and mm -hmm. we, you know, as humans, we all have our struggles, but they're not all created equal. And so it's great that you've been able to pull more of the positive lessons from your experience. And how does working in a, well, actually, I'm going to take a step back because I want to ask you, what is your, your work environment like? Is it, does it feel inclusive? Does it feel like you can be your authentic self? So I am, like I said, I, I do accounting. Um, I'm the controller for a worldwide software company. We do foreign currency trading. And so it's in the fintech world. And the fintech world is similar to the banking world where it feels a little stuffy. It's very corporate. It's very traditional. Um, so I, I don't really think that I could be 100% authentic there. But I also think, know that because I've been there for several years, people kind of understand me and they see these little sparks of who I am. So at work, I'm not going to show up, you know, wearing a mohawk and ripped jeans and stuff like that. But I can on casual Fridays wear Doc Martens and maybe a band t-shirt with a blazer and still not and be like, oh, it's just Tammy showing her personality. So I have to present a toned down version but it still feels very authentic to me because it's appropriate for the place. So uh, the corporate world is not ready for people that are that different. They kind of want you to conform. So um, I'm not into the corporate mold. I think that mold should be broken, but it's something that we do all have to deal with. So I'm, I'm finding a way to kind of be authentic and true to myself. So I feel like I fit in while also going to work at a place that I know just by its nature, I'm not going to fit in. Well, 
I love what you're saying too, because I, I think that there's a lot of talk about authenticity, right? And what it sounds like you have found is a way to express yourself as authentically as possible, given the parameters of the environment that you operate within, right? And I think we all have to personally decide whether those parameters are too limiting. Uh, But realistically, nobody can be 100% authentic in the workplace because it's a workplace, right? Like you said, you know, there's certain expectations behaviorally and otherwise that we have of, of everybody. And so it sounds like you have found at least some outlet for your own self-expression that makes you feel better, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't feel like you've had to compromise your values too much. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like you have found a way to balance the need for authenticity with the, the more stuffy expectations of the, of the world that you operate within? I I feel like it's something that I've been working towards for several years, but um, again, it's, it's something like you say, you can't be a hundred percent authentic. So you're kind of feeling it out in the end. You want to be your true self because that's who you are inside, but the corporate world doesn't want everybody running around being their own true self because that's overwhelming, I guess. So it's something that I've improved on. And like I said, I've, I've been able to present a toned down version of myself, but it's also something that I'm always working on because I'm always trying to learn new things and better myself. And I'm always trying to really be in touch with how I'm feeling and like, you know, yeah, I got this dress and yes, it's really corporate, but it really feels like corporate, not like Cami. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't wear that dress because that's not me. And it's something that I'm kind of feel like I'm fumbling my way through, but I'm getting better at over the years. Do you have advice for others who may be nodding their heads right now on sharing that same experience of having to figure out where that line is, um, being true to your authentic self and crossing over into, you know, the, crossing over the boundaries that have been established by, by these workplaces. Like if somebody is thinking to themselves, they didn't realize that maybe there's more opportunity out there than they thought that, you know, that like you're describing, you've been, it sounds like a little bit of a trial and error process, right? Like, do you have any thoughts on how to think about that or, or start being a little bit more authentic? Well, you, you got to know the, the parameters of the game that you're playing. You got to know the rules. If the corporate America is a game, you got to say, okay, well, I got to, I got to play by these rules. I, I don't want, you know, a super low cut skirt or low cut top, you know, I can't be wearing tank tops in a bank environment. You know, there's certain rules that whatever industry you're in apply to that. And then there's, you know, there's some discretion. So the first thing you got to know is what, what parameters you're willing to to have. Like some people feel comfortable wearing ripped jeans in the workplace and the workplace allows that. So if you're comfortable presenting that image, then go ahead and do that. But you also need to know that your people judge you heavily by your image. So if you kind of dress punk rock in the workplace, the first thing they're going to say is they don't fit in. They don't take this job seriously. We're never going to promote them. No matter how competent you are, you're going to be seen as someone who doesn't take things seriously. So that's a bit of a, a tough situation. 
So that's when you really got to lean on, um, you know, looking at how you can dress this way and still look professional and put together. Um, so that's why I always, I love blazers because you could just throw them on over everything and suddenly look a lot more corporate. So you got to really kind of put a lot of more legwork and a lot of thought into, okay, well, I'm willing to tone myself down this much. Does that fall in the rules? Okay, yes. Well, does it also look professional and does it look like I take my job seriously? Well, then what can I do so that I'm viewed as taking my job seriously? Because you don't want to show up so authentic that people are like overlooking you. So it's, it's a bit of a fine line. And it is a lot of work that you have to put into, but it's also very rewarding because once you have that dialed in, that formula, then you could say, well, this is what I'm going to wear and this is what I'm comfortable in. And people get a taste of your personality, but you're also seen as someone who's very competent that can do the job well and is not going to be overlooked. I want to ask you a question recognizing that work is important, right? And we all need to financially support ourselves and adapt to the rules of the game that you're talking about. Given what you've described as the process of figuring out how to be more true to your authentic self, is it worth it? A hundred and ten percent. There's no question about it. Um, when I was starting off my career, I would just dress what I felt was, you know, someone should wear in the workplace. And as I started growing my career, I started dressing how I thought that person should dress. And I hated getting dressed every morning. I hated looking in my closet. I hated all my clothes. And then I'm trying to shop more and I'm spending money on clothes just because they look more corporate. Maybe that's what I'm going for. But in the end, I wasn't happy in it. Nothing was a good fit. And it wasn't until I realized the, I, these clothes don't reflect how I feel inside. These don't reflect who I see myself as. So um, that's where I really had to be in touch with myself. And I still have to do that today with my, my work clothes, especially and say, is this the image I want to present, you know, professionally, but also with my personality? Because I think my personality is such a big piece of me that to leave that out of my wardrobe really made me hate my wardrobe and it made me hate getting dressed in the process. And then work days become a drag just because that very first step feels off. So once you have that in line, once you feel more comfortable, then it really sets your day in a different trajectory because you're like, Oh, I'm going to wear that today, you know, or, Oh, that that's a little bit of an edgy combo, but I think it could work. So I'm excited to put that on and go to work. And sometimes people at work will, will, say, oh, okay, Tammy's doing that today. But it's it's how I feel. And that's what's important is how you feel. And as long as you feel happy, it just sets your day better. And you're not, you know, adjusting your clothes, feeling uncomfortable, like you're not in your own skin, you're just able to focus on doing the best job you can. I love this conversation, because you're a really good example of what I often think about as the choices that we have to make. And one of them is to, you know, leave, right? To say, I'm not comfortable here, or this is too much of a compromise. This requires too much of a compromise of my core values. Or to strategically adapt to the environment that we're in. So you have clearly made the decision to adapt to try to find your own unique style within this more 
traditional environment. Have you ever questioned whether leaving and going someplace that maybe is a more natural fit for your personality would be a better choice? I have, of course. I frequently question that. I mean, accounting is is such a seem, seemingly boring thing. Like when I tell people I'm an accountant, there's never any follow-up questions, you know, unless someone needs tax advice and I don't do taxes. So <laughs> I'm not helpful there. So, um, but most of the time when I tell people and I, I'm an accountant, they're surprised. You know, I have really bright red hair with almost hot pink highlights. And like I said, I'm often wearing Doc Martens and band shirts and stuff like that. And I'm a mom that doesn't look like a mom. I'm, I'm a mom that looks like she always just got home from a concert. So it's something that I think is always, you know, it's a mismatch when you figure out like, oh, you're an accountant. It just doesn't seem right. Um, I've had a lot of people say, are you sure you're not in marketing? Because I'm always putting a different twist or spin. Like I said, I like to turn perspectives upside down. And I'm always thinking about things in a totally different way, um, just by nature. So it's, it seems to other people like a mismatch with my personality and my look, but how I think accounting is totally a fit for me. I love that there's a lot of logic. I love that there's very stringent rules, but there's also rules that can be broken. And there's a little gray area. And I love kind of writing that gray area. It's like um, walking the line between good and evil, um, which is an alien sex scene song. If anyone listens to alien sex scene out there. Um, but, it, you know, I do love accounting and I can't imagine doing anything else. It's been such a good fit. And I, it's something that I feel I'm good at and it's something I'm really comfortable doing. So I can't imagine doing accounting, doing anything other than accounting. I know there are different corporate cultures that might be a better fit with where than where I'm at now, ones that don't have that super corporate feel. And of course, I live in Silicon Valley and I've worked at startups and those are great. And you can be more authentic there. But I also feel that after so many years of doing accounting, I don't feel like showing up at work, like I just got home from a concert, is a good fit either. So I feel like I have to have, you know, Tammy's a mix of corporate and punk. And depending on the situation is what feels authentic to me. So I'm glad that I am where I am and I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm glad that I have the flexibility to, to bring whatever mom Tammy or work Tammy or fun Tammy or concert Tammy, whatever it is, you know, I can bring them all in code switch and feel comfortable no matter what situation I'm in. I love that. I mean, what you're really describing is more freedom than I think a lot of us think we have. And there is this pressure when we step into a work environment to put ourselves in boxes, right? And to be what's expected of us. And that's not always in alignment with the reality. I think, you know, oftentimes we we believe that there are certain expectations or that the expectations are more rigid than they really are. Uh, but there definitely are, as you mentioned, there are rules to the game. There are parameters that exist. I love how you have found such a great balance that has allowed you to do the work that you enjoy doing, which you wouldn't traditionally associate with how you describe yourself, right? So I think it's great that you, you've obviously had to make choices and I'm sure compromises in the process, but it sounds like you're in a really good place. 
Yeah, thanks. I really feel like I'm in a really great place. And it's just, you know, this process of, of trial and error and always trying to figure out a way to better myself or better my situation or be in touch with how I'm feeling and, and that process that just never ends. And honestly, it, it shouldn't end our whole life. Even when we're not working, we need to figure out, is this how I want to be spending my retirement? Are these the people I want to hang out with? Am I still having fun doing this hobby? And it's something that we always need to, to self-reflect. And if you're not 100% comfortable or 100% happy, then work on that. And it might take a long time, but baby steps will get you there. Just relentless improvement to whatever your idea is. And that's kind of what I've done. And my idea of Tammy and, or corporate Tammy, it changes you know, year over year as I get older, my job changes or my employer changes. You know, it's, it's okay to shift gears, but just be in tune with yourself and say, hey, you know what? I, I want to stop doing that now. I want to start doing this now. And this is now my priority. And give yourself that grace to change your mind and to change yourself and bring your true self to the table and do what feels good knowing the parameters you have. Now, I think that you have just in what you are saying partially answered this question that I want to ask you anyway, of what motivated you to want to tell your story today? And what are you hoping people will take away from it? Um, What's motivated me, there's always two things that motivate me to to telling the story. The first one is because others have had a similar past that like I have, Um, a lot of people have had uh, struggles with family life or drugs or alcohol or homelessness. And I want them to know it's okay to have that past and it doesn't define you. And you really should look at the things you gained from working your way out of that situation. And if you're still working on that now, then you're still learning so many things and getting a lot of of great skills and values from that. And you are a valuable person. And the second part is for leaders to recognize that value, that these people are tenacious as heck. And these people are going to work very hard on themselves and at the company. And they should really, having these non-traditional paths is really the kind of person you want in any corporate environment. So I I really want to flip the the script on, oh, you're an unsavory person because you've had this past. Like, no, those are actually the people managers want to hire. Those are the people that are willing to listen. They're willing to work hard and they're willing to be part of the team. And they're really grateful to be there. And having that sort of gratitude in the workplace can be a, a real shift in employee engagement, not just in their work, but how they interact with other people. So that's, you know, my twofold why I tell my story, because I think a lot of people need to hear this, whether you're going through it or you're thinking of hiring someone with the the past, you know, this can work out really well. And this could be the beginning of something beautiful. I'm so glad you did tell your story and that we're having this conversation today, because I, I agree with you. I think there's so much inspiration there for the individual who may be feeling like they're in a box and wanting to be more authentic And also, like you said, to the managers who may have preconceived notions or unfair biases against people, I think you do such a great job of painting the the benefits of working with people who have had difficult paths, maybe non-traditional paths. Um, I really hope that people are listening and will take a valuable lesson from your story. Thanks. And, and likewise, I, I hope this helps someone out there, especially if you've had a past, you've been through a lot. Uh, don't worry. It, it's going to be behind you and you just got to keep moving forward. 
Thank you so much, Tammy. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks for your time, Kim. Thanks again for listening today. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome and you'd like additional support, check out the show notes for more resources or contact me directly. I would love to help you. And if you'd like to tell your story, I would love to interview you. You will find my contact info in the show notes. So reach out anytime. Thanks again.